Uh, we're carrying on our uh, series, um, and this morning we're uh, going to be reading from Philippians 2, verses 1 through to 11, and I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. Imitating Christ's humility. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Right. Here we go. It's a great passage. And interesting that um, when uh, with, with Paul writes this, I love this sort of starts of, therefore, if you have any encouragement. And just to let you know, he writes this, because he's just spoken in the first chapter and Tim preached fantastically last week and it ended with saying actually, you know, life might not be that great and there might be some suffering and, and how are you going to live this life? The sermon tonight I titled Unity Through Humility and I was thinking about the last time I heard humility preached in the church and I was going to say, I can't say it's a subject that I hear a great deal about. Humility, if I looked up in the English dictionary definition, is having or showing a low estimate of one's own importance. I don't know, but I don't really want to, you don't feel like you want to buy into that. <laughs> I'd love some humility, please. It just seems a bit, I don't know, sounds a bit depressing. But I feel that actually the problem is, actually that's not the idea of humility that Paul talks about. Humility, when we think of it from a world perspective, perhaps conveys an idea of weakness, insignificance. Perhaps there's a sense of, oh, if I'm humble, I'll get overlooked and ignored. But we live in a world where we, we live where we think, oh, I'm gonna put something on Facebook. I know my worth and by the number of likes I get, or perhaps on TikTok, how many views, or Instagram. We live in a world where we must not go and get it. Take advantage of every opportunity to succeed. I want to be number one. We're only as good as our last success. Yet, 
This morning, I want to talk about what it means to be humble as those who are in Christ. And that I want us to suggest that when we embrace humility, it's nothing but bringing abundance and life in all situations. Prince William wrote uh, recently and said, one of the most important messages they as the royals have to get across is the gratitude they have for the opportunity to serve. Interesting. And as Christians, we get the same opportunity, but do we have the same gratitude? Is that this morning we come and say, wow, as children of God, we get the opportunity to serve. Woohoo! It's very quiet in here. I don't feel like, you know. <laughs> I love it in um, uh, Philippians late, early, uh, later on in the chapter. You hear Paul talking about Euodia and Syntheta. I'm sure that's not how you say their names. They're having a bit of a bicker and, and sort of, you know, Paul's addressing these issues that obviously there are some issues going on in the church of Philippi with some attitudes about, you know, where they're going. And Paul wants to realise that actually the thoughts and attitudes are the basis of speech and action. Should I say that again? Thoughts and attitudes are the basis of speech and action. And so they direct the whole course of our lives. I just love the beginning of this passage. It's almost like rhetorical, isn't it? Do you have any encouragement from, from being united with Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any common sharing in the spirit? Any tenderness and compassion? And, and if so, what difference does that make? Does that make a difference? Or do you just say, fantastic, I'm a member of the club, good, nice, lovely. Got my membership, like I used to have a Blockbusters card, that was fantastic in those olden days. It's really good. I've got, yeah, very good. I don't really want it to change too much, but it's lovely. I'm so excited. This morning I've sung. I've got freedom in Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, that's so good. Does it need to make, does it need to change the way that I live and the way that I live with my brothers and my sisters? Paul says in verse two, make my joy complete. What's this joy? He, he wants his joy to be complete because what he wants is he wants people to have a different attitude, not to think just of themselves, but to think of other people. An acrostic said, if you spell joy, it spells Jesus, others, and you. Jesus first, others second, and you last. And you go, oh yeah, Jesus first. And then you think, well, yeah, me second. If I've got time, others certainly are going to be there. They are really important, but, you know, I've got to make sure I'm okay, haven't I? Who's going to look out for me? Now, I know none of you ever think like that. I appreciate that's fantastic. I may occasionally have that thought, sometimes. Not, um, yeah. And he says... Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Paul's John Stott once said, Pride is your greatest enemy and humility is your greatest friend. The problem is, selfish ambition stands at the heart of, of, of us as human beings. Sometimes actually... 
we don't mean to be selfish, we've just got stuff to get on with. And like, if we're not doing a drive ourselves, who's gonna make it happen? And it's great if other people wanna come along, but you know, I've got, a, I've got something to get done and it's difficult, you know. I've gotta look out for number one, haven't I? Haven't I? Maybe not. Perhaps we can relate to the idea in the Gospel of Luke when these disciples have been spending all this time with Jesus. They've had the most amazing teaching, three years with Jesus, and they're walking along the road deciding, hey, mate, you, I'm going to be more important in the kingdom of God than you are. No, 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 I'm going to be more important than you. No, I, I mean, Jesus must have like, what? I guess as human beings, maybe we're a bit slow to pick up on things. And this morning, I just wonder... Is position for us more important than submission? This morning, are we prepared to be those that submit our agenda and put things down and say, do you know what? I don't want to be first. I want to love others first before myself. Paul recognises the challenges and says about our relationships with one another. And those relations with one another make a huge difference. Why? Because it's all about unity. You know what? If we want to have a successful church, if we want to live lives that are fruitful, we have to be in unity with one another. I was once in a, a meeting, a prophetic meeting, and a guy said, he said, you know what? You can tell. He said, there are those people, he said, who are really serving God. He said, and they're the prophetic people that say, do you know what? I want to see somebody who's more prophetic and more gifted than me, because if I can equip them and enable them, that's what it's about. And this morning, I wonder, is our heart to say, do you know what? I want to come along, my brothers and my sisters, and serve them so that they can go beyond where I currently am? Do I want to lift them up and build them up and encourage them? Or it's great, but I hope I don't get in the way of my agenda and my, my way of doing things. Are we all right with this so far, guys? It's very quiet, very quiet. And the truth of it is, is that actually, you know, we can't do this on our own. And I like the fact that Paul knows that. He's in prison. He's obviously being very thoughtful there. And he says, in your relationships with one another, have the mind, same mindset as Christ Jesus. We can't do it on our own. And what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? We need to adopt the way of Jesus in thinking. His values, his attitudes must become ours. Jesus emphasised humility and meekness. Jesus came to serve, didn't he? Jesus came to, be, to serve. What did Jesus do? He went into the upper room and he said, I'm sitting here, I'm the big I am. No, he said, I want to wash your feet. Jesus came and he got a towel and he washed the feet of his disciples. He came to serve. This morning, I just wonder, what is it? Are we being challenged this morning? Do we need to have a heart? Do we need to be more humble? 
But then when we thought about this, what does it mean when Jesus says about women and men humbling themselves? You see, I think sometimes we have this idea of being humble is something about us. It is being overlooked. But actually, the Greek word, which I thought was quite interesting, is that actually it says here, the word that was used is having a realistic sense of who we are before God and others. We must not think too highly or too lowly of ourselves. Rather, we must be honest and realistic about what we are and who we are. Paul says in Romans, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment. In other words, humility is having a right view of ourselves in relation to God and others and acting accordingly. So what's the right view of ourselves? What's the right view of ourselves? This morning, if we know and love Jesus Christ, we are sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters. We are God's children. And we are also gifted by God with certain unique gifts, abilities, resources and advantages used for his glory. He talks about that in Corinthians. And he says, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast if you did not receive it? This morning, God gives each of us certain gifts and he asks us to use it. But for us to be humble and to love and serve one another, we have to work in the gifts that he has given us and not try and mimic somebody else. Beware of comparison with one another. So let's go back to this passage. Make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. I wonder sometimes how easily we can read these words and say, yeah, but I wonder how easy it is sometimes not to put them into practice. I was thinking about humbling ourselves in the workplace. Actually, you know, maybe we're the people who always load the dishwasher and nobody ever knows. Maybe we're the person who tops up the tea and the coffee and nobody knows. Maybe we buy the milk. Maybe we're the people that just encourage somebody at the checkout or we chat to the bin man or we just help out whatever it is and actually we don't expect to get any thanks for it make sense and in church maybe we'll be those who actually sometimes in the morning we we come in and we think oh who is it i who is it i need to talk to right oh, i really like you i'm going to chat to you I know there's somebody over there who's a bit lonely, but it's fine. I'm sure somebody else will sort them out. But maybe this morning God will say to us, do you know what, as we come into the church, maybe we need to look around and say, who is it I can sit next to to encourage? Who can I sit next to to build up? Who can I show God's love to? And, and trust me, we're, I can be as guilty as that. 
this is not to condemn us, but it's just to open our eyes and say, how, how are we living humble lives? And then, I love it, Paul gives us this amazing illustration in verses 6 and 8, just of Jesus and all that he does. His amazing sacrifice. You know, how are you guys getting on? You know, I'd like you to be humble, but actually, do you know Jesus, who in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage? He made himself nothing. We're talking about Jesus Christ, who's existed with God the Father since the beginning of time, and he made himself nothing. And the thing that I really thought was interesting is the fact that Paul makes this point was he says, even death on a cross. And the cross was an abhorrent thing. And when the readers at that time would have thought, what? That just doesn't sound like somebody who's come in power. But just, it's such a counter cross-cultural thing. It's so bizarre. And it would have had a shock impact. But Jesus gave up everything for us. And this morning, God says this morning, are you prepared to, to humble yourselves and to serve and love one another? This morning, just that sense of reorientating us maybe from self-centeredness to other-centeredness to serving and caring for others just as Jesus did. And what's the outcome of this servant heart is that as Jesus gave up everything and submitted everything, it says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. James 4.10 says that actually, if we are prepared to humble ourselves, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. This morning, I just wonder, will we treat humility as a dirty word and refuse to benefit the benefits of traveling the way of the cross and following Jesus? Or this morning, do we want to get down and dirty with Jesus and allow, and allow God to promote us as those who refuse to promote ourselves? In Jesus, we have the example of all examples that those who humble themselves will be exalted. If we will take care of humbling ourselves, we can trust God to take care of exalting us. I love the story in Luke 14 where it talks about inviting the guests to the wedding and he says, instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteousness, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. When we talk about God exalting us, actually, it may not be in this life. It may not be in this life. 
But this morning, God this morning asks us to be humble. And he says this morning, humility can be our greatest friends because it increases our hunger for God's work and opens our hearts to his spirit. This morning, are we those who want to serve rather than be served? This morning, are we thinking about how we can promote and build up others rather than being built up ourselves? Just imagine if Duncan said, oh, thanks, guys, it's great. I've had so many people who've offered to do all the work. Actually, it's full. But listen, there's a waiting list to serve in Trinity Church. Would you like to put your name down on the waiting list? Wow. Just imagine how amazing that would be. Or imagine if we had, Duncan's got all these other people who want to serve, and he says, do you know what? What else could we do? Because now we can do a different group because I've got all these people who want to serve. Why do they want to serve? Because they want to see the kingdom of God come in this area, in this place, in Trinity Church. And do you know what? The truth of it is, is that sometimes I think, do you know what? I work Monday to Friday. I don't know if I've got time to serve on a Sunday. But hang on, Jesus, who existed from the beginning of time, came down and gave up everything for me. And I can't serve. I think I may have something wrong. What do you think? And maybe some of us have thought, you know what? I'm sure there's loads of people that doesn't need me, but there's not. But actually this morning we're called to be those who will serve. And it can be in any way you like. It can be in a whole variety of different ways. But I just feel there's a call in us this morning just to, to get down and dirty with Jesus and say, do you know what? You know, I want to do it. I know that some of these guys, you know, they went to New Day and they went to New Day to clean out the toilet so the young people will be blessed. And I just said to Linda this morning, you know, what is it we need to be doing? Maybe we need to be thinking about, should we be helping at New Day rather than going on a summer holiday? Maybe we need to take that time out. I'm not saying I'm signing up for it, but, you know, it provokes thought. <laughs> and the truth of it is, is we're all really busy in our lives. But actually, don't we want to build up and love one another? You imagine if you love, in marriage, isn't it? It says, you know, what's a successful marriage? is when you love that other person so much they don't have to worry about their needs because they know you've taken care of it. Actually, if we love one another really well, our, our brothers and sisters will go out and do amazing stuff and they'll love other people amazingly because they're loved and they don't have to worry. Just let's be those who serve and love one another. Let's build each other up. I was really challenged talking to Pat at the food bank a, few, a week ago, and she said, you know, it's hard work because actually, you know, she's got to put the stuff in and out. And I'm thinking, I wish I could, can I be there? I can't, I work, but is there something else I can do? And maybe as a church, we need to just say, do you know what? We need to get our hands dirty. We need to get involved. And maybe you are all fully booked up, and I'm only talking to myself, and that's fine. Maybe this morning, if you're not involved in connecting, maybe there's something we could be doing. What do we think? It's very quiet in here. Very quiet. You know, Becca did a thing for, student, for students and encouraging students. And I'm wondering, you know, great, let's invite students. No, next time we have it, let's find a way that we as the church can invite some students to our house and have lunch. My daughter delighted in going to lunch with members of the church and getting to know people in the church. And she went to their house and had lunch, and that's how she got connected. She's been in this ch that church for six years, eight years? Eight years. Why? Because somebody in the church invited her around her and gave her some dinner. As a church, let's get involved. And I talk to myself about this. This passage is, is challenging because actually, I don't know about you, but I want to build a church 
that makes a difference in the world that we live. I want to, build a pl I want to be in a place that actually I'm living in a radical lifestyle. I don't want to just be comfortable and safe. And this morning, I just encourage you as well. There's a prayer meeting that we can all sign up for, prayer and fasting. And do you know what? I went to one a while back, and in the evening, there were 20 people in the evening and maybe 20 people in the morning. Duncan, 20 in the morning? Yeah. And that's lovely. But imagine if there were 40 people. Hanton's are going to have a bigger room, but it's fine. I'm sure we can open the doors. I just encourage us to be those who are hungry to pray together, to do life together. I just, I just wonder what difference it would make to the place that we're living in. What difference it would make to our community. C.S. Lewis said, don't shine so that others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see him. As those who dwell in Jesus, we must look to others' needs before our own. If unbelievers see a church that shares thoughts, loves, desires and minds as one another, they will take note. Unity is not just a useful weapon against the world but rather it belongs to the very essence of Christian life, then our churches will be beautiful outposts of heaven. Amen. I feel like we should respond. Um, can we invite the band back? Firstly, I don't want anyone to feel condemned. But I'd like us to feel challenged. And you know what? Sometimes we can sit in church and feel like we've got a really good pat on the back, and that's lovely. But sometimes it's not bad to challenge. And I say I challenge myself on this. But I just wonder, can we all stand? Just firstly, I'd just like to say this morning that if you haven't got a right view of yourself, this morning, if you don't know that you are a son and a daughter of the King of King, God this morning wants to say he delights in you. He delights in you. And this morning, if you don't know this Jesus Christ who died for you, he says he wants to talk to you this morning. Don't go away. Amen. Do you know what? Jesus loves to hang out. It's not difficult. Jesus doesn't ask us to put an exam paper together. Jesus doesn't ask us to do a quiz, a test. He says, just say, oh, Lord, I want, I want you and I give you my life. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. This morning, if you're hungry and you think, do you know what? My life is just that, not that amazing. Is there must be more. This morning, Jesus says, yes, there is more. And I am the answer because I died for you, for each and every one of you. And this morning, if you want to know what that is, I encourage you to make a response. 
I encourage you to make a response. I'd be love, love to pray with you at the end. My wife, Linda, Duncan, we'd love to pray with you. The next thing is I just feel like maybe this morning, you just I feel like God says, you know, are they there, have you God speaking to you to where you can serve? This is not just about doing something for the sake of it, being on a rotor, but God's given you gifts. He says, where can I use you? You can use those gifts. And this morning, I just really encourage you, if you can serve, to, to really bless the church and sign up and fill the spaces on the rotors. But just to say, where else is God asking you to do? Maybe there's something we're not even doing and you think, I've had such a heart for that. Just speak to one of the elders and let, just see what happens. And this morning, I just feel God this morning, he wants to draw near to each of us. You know what? He wants to lift you up this morning. If you feel that you're downhearted, if you think life's got on top of you, if you're weary, he says, I want to exalt you. He wants to lift you up. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up because you are my beloved. And as Jebson prayed this morning, he wants to bring down the walls that are overwhelming you and bring down those Jericho walls. This morning, can I just encourage you just to open up your arms, hands? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall in this place now and you would speak to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you would pinpoint the areas you want to speak to us in. I pray that you would build your church. God, I for forgive us, Lord, if we try and build it. Lord, I pray that it will be your agenda and not our agenda. But I pray most of all that we would be those who know you love us and you love us unconditionally. We pray, Father God, that you, we know that you are there cheering us on. Yes. And I just say, Father God, by your spirit, come. Come in power. Holy Spirit.